0: On this episode of The Formation Lap, Luke tries not to say something blasphemous about how the 24 is actually the best race that happens at Daytona all year. You heard me right.
1: And Tim is going to try not to get, act too giddy about the breakup of McLaren and Alonzo, given that McLaren is now his favorite team.
0: Quick aside, does this make McLaren now your official favorite team now that Alonso has gone? You know what, Luke?
1: Uh, the clouds have gone away. The skies are sunny. Everything's wonderful. That's what it feels like to me. This
0: is the Formation Lab. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Formation Lab, the motorsports podcast with the most hockey jerseys per capita in the entire planet. And I feel like I can make that statement uh, on a on a positive. So how many hockey jerseys do you have?
1: Me, I only have one or two, but I do think that Kevin Smith's going to give you a run for your money.
0: The, he's not a motorsports co- podcast, though.
1: You're right, he's not, he's just a podcast, but I think that the sheer volume of how many hockey jerseys that guy has uh makes him winning in any podcast category.
0: See, that's what I think um but I think we could give him a run for our money because if you have two that brings our per capita up to 9. So uh it's it's pretty it's pretty up there.
1: It, it is. It is pretty up there.
0: It's the Formation lap. We're not here to talk hockey. We are here to talk motorsports. It's been kind of a dull little week in the world of motorsports in terms of actual hard-hitting news, but that doesn't mean it's not been an exciting week because the 24 hours of Daytona are upon us. That is happening this weekend. Tim, you prepared to stay up for maybe not 24 hours, but as much as possible
1: absolutely i've got uh my appropriately named drive coffee ready to rock and roll le Mans style um it is a beautiful uh roasted coffee we are not being sponsored by them for this but if listeners you would like to try it i highly recommend uh the le Mans, uh brand of it um it's absolutely delicious and i am prepared to stay up as long as it takes i am very excited to see the brand new corvette roar to life um the corvette that's uh, making pretend it's a Ferrari. But hey, it's going to be fun.
0: It'll be fun. You know, I'm going to make this statement, and I think that outside of a race I physically attend, um, I think the 24 is one of the most consistently fun, maybe one of my favorite races. I, I want to say my favorite race, but the 500 is so hard to compete with. But yep. I could I could make an argument that the 24 is my favorite race of the calendar year.
1: I I do completely agree. First and foremost, because you and I can follow it, here, stateside, a lot easier. Yes. Um, you know, I think uh, here I'm pulling up right now uh, where listeners can watch it if they're uh, sitting domestically. Um, in, but NBC, I
0: think... NBC Sports, uh, NBC Sports, and then from six to eleven that first night, and then in the early AM, I think it is on the NBC Sports Gold for a total of like five hours. Um, but for the most part, the start and finish will be. Starting two hours in the last two hours will be on NBC and then for the most part, NBC sports.
1: Well, there you have it, folks. Luke already had it memorized. I, I do um, because okay.
0: I'm ready. I <laughs> <laughs> but
1: but uh, I do know that um, I'm really excited because I know that the coverage is really great because they cover the whole field at NBC really, really well. They it's do. not just the front runners. They cover everybody. Um and, you know, because what what else are you going to do for 24 hours? Yeah. Just front runners? I mean, what are we, Formula One?
0: Well, um, and the beauty of it, too, is the beauty of class racing like that is that even beyond, like, the front runners of the race, the class front runners always have something going on. And you don't have to go too far back in any given class to find action or at the very least to be like, hey, you know, here's a front runner in the GT Daytona category that has to be overtaken by, like, five DPI's in a row. How is, how are they going to have to deal with that being knocked off their line? It's, there's always something happening.
1: Always. And, um, you know, it's just superb racing. And, um, you know, I know that, uh, a lot of any, uh, company that's, um, in any way manufacturing anything for, uh, the automobiles that we all drive every single day are probably there in some, uh, form or fashion testing something. Yep. Um, So, you know, whether it's new cars, new chassis, new drivetrains, new tires, new uh, uh, technology for uh, the internal combustion engine with hybrid technology, things like that, everything there is being tested uh, through the crucible of motorsport. Um, So it's always really exciting to see the brand new stuff come out and they aren't overly protective of what they've got. So they can, they're all pretty open about what, about showing you everything. So Mm -hmm. Um, it's a ton of fun to watch. It is for me, Luke, and I'm just speaking for myself here. I I think I'm speaking for you. This is really the kickoff of, uh, the year for, uh, motorsport in general. It absolutely
0: Uh, is. I, I think for me personally, and I know this might be blasphemy. I enjoy this more than Le Mans because I can follow this easier in America. And two, I think the schedule makes an important thing because this is the kickoff for motorsports after Daytona. That's when testing starts. That's when everything starts. Uh, for preseason for both F1, for IndyCar, for NASCAR even. And it comes after this kind of long, trudging winter months where you're like, just give me any modicum of information, right? So for it to come out at the time it does, being as easy to follow as it is for uh, us here in America and having been to it, the spectacle, the enjoyment of being at what's basically just a large festival, a large party there at Daytona, it's hard to beat Daytona.
1: I know you and I really enjoyed um, the party that uh, the Bomarito Auto Group, Auto Group put on for the Bomarito 500 uh-huh. here, uh, in the St. Louis area, the greater St. Louis area, but Daytona knows how to throw a party.
0: They do. They do. Fireworks over the track is one of the best shots I've ever, I've ever had. And it's so easy to get. It's looks so nice. And uh, if you have never been to an endurance race, words cannot describe the feeling of going to bed at like 3 a.m. and waking up butterly, getting like three hours of sleep, waking up butterly at like 6 a.m., opening your eyes, taking your earplugs out, and hearing, still going on, you're like, those are the same guys, they still going, there's just this surreal feeling of, I can't even describe it, it's just surreal to be like, I just woke up and they're still racing, this is the same event, It seems like it's a new day to me, but no, it's, it's just, I'm still here.
1: And three hours of sleep is about what the drivers get. Yeah. Um, So, you know, each team, uh, for those who don't know, we should probably cover it. You're only allowed to drive the car a certain amount of time. So uh, I believe it's three hour stints, isn't it? Luke?
0: Um, It depends on if you have a a three or four um, driver set, but yeah, but you have, you do have a limited amount of time. I want to say it's three to four hour stints. Um, it's three
1: four hour stints and then you have to trade out and and while every and when you come out you you hit the rack immediately yeah uh, because you're probably going to need to go again here in a few hours um but that's how it rolls um you go to sleep for three hours wake up have about three hours to catch up know exactly what's going on with the car and then you're back in
0: yeah you're straight in it so let's uh before we get to our we have a track breakdown we have teams to watch let's get into real quick we got some news uh, that was our first news, is if you're not watching the the 24 Hours of Daytona, the Rolex 24 at Daytona, uh, go watch it this weekend. Let's talk about some news. First off, Charlie Kimball has a full-time ride at AJ Foyt Racing. Uh, as of today at noon, there was an IndyCar teleconference. We got to record that, so we have a couple clips from you. Uh, last one was a tough one for AJ Foyt Racing. Tim, I know, uh, you know, between you and I following IndyCar, this was your first year really following it, and it was pretty easy to see that, uh, you know, Tony Kanon and Matthew Sleese did not exactly inspire a lot of great finishes.
1: No. Um, but they, by no means showed that they were just done. Yeah. Um, you know, Tony Kanon did have the great one at the bottom, 500, the great finish, um, you know, and, and had an all around good day. So they had some bright spots, um, through the season, but overall yeah it was disappointing.
0: Yeah. And if you're AJ Foyt you're looking at Kanan, who currently without a ride but they are in negotiations is the feeling and is they haven't said no to that. They did talk about that at the uh, at the teleconference but uh Matthew Salist is finished 19th and if you're um AJ Foyt racing and and you have a guy finishing 19th Uh, that's not exactly great. So this is kind of a reset for A.J. Foyt Racing, and uh, team president Larry Foyt uh, said exactly that during the teleconference.
1: I mean, number one, obviously, like you said, we are in a bit of a reset coming off a tough year. So I I really liked the fact uh, when we started talking to Charlie and he was available, here's a guy with a lot of experience. I think Charlie's a technical driver. He shows he can win. He showed he can finish in the top 10 in the championship. And those are just all the things that we want to build on. So that's just a really good fit for us because we have some new engineers on board. So I think a guy coming in with, with Charlie's you know mindset and, and with what Charlie can do behind the wheels is exactly what we needed.
0: That was team president Larry Foyt. And it's not often you hear a guy just kind of say, hey, yeah, we're hitting the reset button. But... Again, not that Matthew Sleest or Tony Kanon are the worst. Tony Kanon has obviously lost pace over his uh, tenure as growing old in IndyCar, but um, he's over. yeah, he's 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 up there. But fifteenth uh, and nineteenth, you know, you can do better. And I think Charlie Kimball is a good selection for that. Charlie had moderate success. He has uh, seven races last season uh, with Carlin, and he scored two top tens in Pocono and Portland, and of course. Looking back at Pocono and Portland, both of those were obviously were marred by huge wrecks. Uh, Pocono, obviously, the gigantic, ginormous wreck. and <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that all we all, it was all anybody talked about was that ginormous wreck in Pocono. And then Portland had the uh, the opening laps that had like 12 wasted laps because of a wreck on the first corner. Um, so he found the top 10 there uh, and he had uh, Tony Kanan. But uh, if you compare that rather to Tony Kanan. And Matthew Matthews Matthew Least raced seventeen races last year, and had two top tens. One of them was fifth. Tony Kanon had four top tens in seventeen races last year, and of course, uh, he had one. One of those was a podium at Worldwide Technology Raceway. So, if you just look at the rate at which they at which Charlie Kimball is getting back into the top ten, uh, I think that that kind of does speak to maybe Charlie Kimball is a better option for AJ Foyt than Matthew Least.
1: I agree completely. Not much more to, that I can add to that. I mean, the results speak for themselves. And it's. I think maybe, maybe the one thing I would say is it's good to see a backmarker team uh, make some active uh, steps mm-hmm. toward getting up the pack. Looking at you, Claire Williams.
0: Yeah, looking at you, Claire. No kidding. But, uh, you know, Charlie Kimball said that his expectations are, you know, to be back and fighting in the top ten. And obviously that is a big ask in IndyCar. Um, being in the top ten is not a given. There are probably fifteen drivers uh fifteen cars out there on any given day that should be in the top ten. you know it, you're gonna have to fight for it, but I think he said something during this call that got me, and again, two out of his seven finishes were top ten, uh both of them in tenth place. but I think he hit the nail on the head when he said that consistency is really gonna be the key and is going to be something that really spurns him towards more success?
1: Well, I think that uh, myself, I would not have survived, and I'm not sure my marriage would have survived another year on a partial schedule because it was, it was really tough on me last year watching in races when I wasn't in the car. And, and I think the consistency of being in the car every weekend
0: allows me to stay in the rhythm. I noticed last year that when I was out of the car for a couple of races, I got back in, it took a moment or two to knock some of that rust off
1: and my competitors, the other drivers in the NTT IndyCar series, weekend in, weekend out, are in the car and they're in that rhythm and that mode and, and the level of competition
0: in IndyCar is so high that any any drawback, you know, any moment it takes to, to get back up to speed puts you a long ways behind. That was Charlie Kimball on the advantage of now running a, a full-time schedule again. And uh, Tim, I think he hit the nail on the head is that I think those two top tens are very impressive when you consider the fact that he was never in a rhythm. You can't get in a rhythm if you're racing seven out of 17 of the races. And, uh, you know, it'll be a lot easier for him to make that challenge when he can know a team better, when he can know a car better, and we can find a rhythm in that series again.
1: And, you know, I think that goes for any top level athlete. If you have a guy, you know, like if we're you know, doing as we are wont to do with making a baseball comparison. If you call a guy up from the minor leagues and send him back down, he, and even not even send him back down, just kind of cut him loose for a little while, um, and he's not able to practice, get his uh, reps in, um, get that rhythm of being a top-tier athlete, um, it, it's really, really tough to turn in any uh, type of um, – you know, consistent performance. And the fact that he got those two top tens is all the more impressive because he was uh, having to do it without any kind of rhythm. If you have a formula one driver that you take out uh, or, you know, any other top level motorsport, it's, it's really, really hard. So it's really good to see him get that full-time seat.
0: I, I agree. I think it'll be interesting. Um, AJ Foyt uh, racing AJ Foyt enterprises has brought in a lot of new engineers, and a lot of new people on the back end of the car, to really revamp the team, and I think that's a that's a great, great idea, a great turnaround. And you always want to see, you know, a guy with the name AJ Foyt Racing team with that name do well. So on to our next bit of news, Tim. Are you ready to be shocked? Shocked.
1: I I am I am ready for you to shock me. You know what? It's Wednesday night.
0: I need to be shocked, Luke. You need to be shocked. All right. Well, here's a taser of shocking news: McLaren and Fernando Alonso have parted their have parted ways. They're done. The ambassadorship is what? over. In the, no, in the worst Jeez, kept so, Luke. In the worst kept secret in motorsports.
1: It is the <laughs> it is the worst kept secret. And Luke, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think this is great for McLaren. Um, you know, uh, Alonzo needs to go off and do his own thing, like now, um, or like six months ago. Um, you know, I don't think that either party was served by their continued relationship. Um, And I'm happy to see the cloud of uh, the almost uh, induction into our uh, rich rich energy corner of uh, villainy and entry Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. move away from my new favorite team. Um, You know, because I think think McLaren is on a very steep upward trajectory um, and Alonzo would be holding them back.
0: I think it's interesting you talk about trajectories because when you when they're rebranding and they want to you know they kind of want that consistent star to kind of power the rebrand, right? I think Fernando Alonso is a natural fit. However, I think with where the team stands now, the youth they have, they have bankable stars, and I even their IndyCar program, Pato Award and uh, Oliver Askew are right. young. They're exciting. I don't think there's really any place for Fernando that he needs to be. You could argue that when McLaren was rebranding into their papaya machines, you could say, well, yeah, McLaren kind of needs that kind of Fernando Alonso star power. I don't think they need that anymore. I think it's their trajectory doesn't match with Fernando's anymore. And the quote is. Fernando is a world-class competitor, and we wish him well for the future. While our relationship has come to a natural conclusion, he will always remain part of the McLaren family. I think they hit the nail on the head. That there's one, there's two words there, that I think are very apt. It's a natural conclusion.
1: I agree. Um, It's a natural end to that chapter Mm -hmm. of misery, Um, where you know nothing. It was all you know. You you heard all these rumors about. How much power uh, Alonzo was wielding in the team, and how things weren't getting developed properly, and how it was infighting and things like that. And now, uh, Alonzo is going off and doing his own thing, and you know you 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 were absolutely correct, Luke, with um, you know talking about the bankable stars that they had, and they're young, very, very young. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing the Red Bull thing without doing the the full Red Bull thing where Red Bull brings up these hilariously young drivers and they're edgy and they're cool, except McLaren's bringing up these hilariously young drivers and they're fun, yeah. like a lot of fun. And, um, they let them be themselves. You know, there, there was even marketing today about, uh, Carlos and Lando being around the factory and, you know, pulling shenanigans on one another, putting, uh, The baby Yoda picture behind Lando's head for the seat fit um, was in there. Uh, You know, it's just it's just a lot of fun stuff. And then Paddle Award and Ask You, I think, are going to be perfect um, on, you know, on this side of the pond. Um, for McLaren. I think McLaren is about to experience a lot of good things out of IndyCar. Um, Having watched it last year, as you convinced me to do, which I thank you eternally for, um, I I think that uh, it's about to be a very, very cool chapter
0: um, for McLaren. I think so. And then one final note on this is uh, this would obviously lend more credence to the rumors of Fernando signing a deal for the Indy 500 with Team Andretti. Uh, That's Again, worst kept secret in motorsports. It's pretty much confirms that he's that they're in talks uh, for at least testing in May. Uh, everybody's reporting that Andretti and Fernando would be. If it's going to happen, that's the marriage that's going to happen, and that would confirm it for me. Is if McLaren's out of it, Fernando can just go do what he wants. And why would you not choose an Andretti car at that point, unless you can choose a you know. Even Pensky would be a pretty good choice, but if Andretti's looking for him, you, go Andretti.
1: I think Pensky's lineup's just too darn strong. I think so uh, too. For them to move uh, for Fernando, I think Andretti could use a little injection right now, probably. Um, they got with, they, like edgy driver.
0: Right, they have Rossi, and he is a tremendous talent at the Indy 500. We talk time and time again at how good he is at that track, but other than Rossi, and I, with my eternal apologies to Zach Veach and Marco Andretti, uh, they don't move the needle at all. So your resources to be, you know, to move resources to get Fernando Alonso is much more of an okay ask considering where they're coming from, the Veaches, the Andrettis, than to look at, you know, Simon Pagano and go, all right, well, we're going to add another guy and crunch your team even more. Or, you know— you know what I'm saying?
1: No, yeah, for sure. And um, you know, I, I think Andretti, Andretti could stand to drastically improve their Indy 500 with just the Adam driver. Um, they wouldn't have to do much else. They, I mean, between Rossi, <laughs> Rossi and Alonso, <laughs> no, come on, that's a that's a staggering driver lineup. Yeah. So, um, and but I think the only thing I would be curious about is. Um, the, uh, the Honda aspect, because Honda is a company, um, that is not one to take, um, the battering like they did from Alonzo lightly. And they are probably going to remember that. And I'm pro- you're probably going to hear some rumblings in the background about how they aren't happy.
0: They, they won't be happy, but I think when you look at the PR that could come from, an Alonzo victory when you look at the PR that could come from an, an Andretti victory when you look at the PR if you're if you're Honda and you go yeah that's a really good name especially if you talk about the uh especially if you talk about the history of how good Fernando has been at Indy considering that he's not yeah you know, if you don't count when the uh, Honda engine did blow up on him that one year uh if, if he's GP2. a GP2 GP2 as Clarence is just hassling you. Clarence is uh, Tim's dog, by the way, everybody. So Clarence <laughs> is just he is all over you.
1: Cl- yeah, he's uh, he's one rough house a little bit. It's all right. In the break, I'll uh, I'll wrestle and it'll be fine.
0: It'll be all good. But uh, anyway, as I was saying, if you if you look at if you're Honda and you go, that is probably one of the strongest driver ads we could possibly do at this state. If we really do want to win the 500, which we do. I think, uh, I think both sides might be willing to uh, put aside maybe some of the rumblings and just be, all right, well, I don't like you. You don't like me. Let's get over this, and let's let's go win a race.
1: And, you know, Honda's come such a long way that, uh, you know, maybe they could let bygones be bygones, but they're probably not going to be happy about it.
0: But we'll find out. We'll find out. We'll find out as the season Starts to open. We'll have we'll be talking all about IndyCar in the coming weeks before the season opens. F1's opening up. It's a good time of year. I'm just thankful because it's Daytona time. We'll talk about the 24 of Daytona coming up right here on the Formation Lap with 101 ESPN. The Formation Lap.
1: The Formation Lap with Luke and Tim.
0: Welcome back to the Formation Lap with 101 ESPN. And as we hinted at previously in the show... It's the most wonderful time of the year. This is racing's equivalent equivalent of baseball's opening day. It's a holiday weekend, maybe the second most holy weekend in all of the racing calendar, after of course Memorial Day weekend, and that specifically that Sunday. Um, that is a holy day. You do not do not question racing fans when they're like, "No, I'm not doing anything that Sunday."
1: You should know where your friends are.
0: Yeah. Uh, I will say that Sunday, the Indy 500 Monaco and Coke 600 Sunday is the, uh, is the one thing when I go to church, I have a standing thing where I'm not working that Sunday because I'm either, even before I started going to the Indy 500, I was already like, nope, I'm just going to watch racing all day from like 7 a.m. to like 12 p.m. They're like, what? I'm like, don't
1: ask or question me.
0: Don't question it. <laughs> but, uh,
1: that's I get it. Yeah. I, uh. I even put out on uh, all my social media feeds. Hey, don't come looking for me. I will be watching the 24 hours of Daytona. It's a very special time of year for me. Um, and for spacing fans or spacing, good Lord, good man, spacing out racing fans. That wasn't even close
0: Luke. Um, (laughs) that's, that's staying in by the way, that's staying in.
1: (laughs) Hey, that's, that's fine. Uh, people can see what, what happens when I start to break down without my Lamont coffee. Um, so I'm going to have to be – is it possible to mainline it? You know, just have a drip bag and just kind of mainline – you know, tap the the line. Coffee and go. straight
0: into your veins?
1: If anybody knows of anything like that, please let us know on Twitter. I'm at TimSTLF1.
0: I'm at and- FormationLap101. Yeah, if yep. you can do the same thing with, like, Mountain Dew so I don't look like, you know, a freaking, you know, trashy dude coming in at 5 a.m. drinking Mountain Dew. I don't like coffee, and I don't like tea, so it's my only option. but.
1: Where you walk in with your Kamoa hat, your uh, racing shirt, and your Mountain Dew. <laughs> shut,
0: shut up. <laughs> also, it's usually a hockey jersey, so come on, pump the brakes here. <laughs> there
1: you go. There you go. We got the highest per capita uh, <laughs> uh, hockey jerseys in, a, in motorsport podcasting, so that's fine. That's that's um, a real award. Um, that is that is a real thing. J.D. Power hands it out. Yes. Um, we didn't but, pay uh, J.D.
0: Power for that award either. Um <laughs> Anyway, but uh, it's but a holy
1: weekend. Yes, that is what we will be doing. So let us look at what we will be be uh, um, beholding this weekend.
0: right. So we've talked a lot about the Formula One calendar. I mentioned that there are certain select few what I would consider perfect tracks, right? you got you got your spas, you got your Interlagos, and you got you know your Monzas, basically, right? Um I would say, that Daytona's road course is personally to me uh, a perfect track. I know it's been changed a lot over the years, and I know that the criteria for a perfect track is if you changed any corner, I would throw a hissy fit. And I still think that that this is this is that it, it is that good. I think Daytona's road course should be more famous than Daytona's oval because it is it is such a good track. So we're gonna break it down. First off, Tim, uh, have you? I assume you've seen on boards. You've watched Daytona, the twenty-four at Daytona. This road course is no joke. It is a beautiful roval, is it not?
1: It's gorgeous, and you know I, I love the fact that they incorporate the oval so much. And the the corners on the road portion are great. There's a lot of overtaking possibilities. It kind of in it. There is no real place on the track for laziness. Um, you know, there it each. Each corner, each section tests the car, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think for me is the real test of um, of a good circuit. You know, you might not think, well, you know, you might say, well, Tim, that's you know, that could be I can make the argument for that at any circuit. Well, you could, but you'd be wrong. Um, You know, there are places in a lot of tracks for the cars to be lazy and for, you know, uh, things to kind of sit back. And I think personally, I agree um if you change anything with this court i or with this course i might riot
0: i think so too i mean even when they're like we're gonna reprofile the bus stop chicane i'm like oh okay let's let's think about this for a second
1: but hang on we're gonna have to debate this yes uh, eternally if necessary yeah. so that you will never ever ever get close to this track
0: yeah uh but uh, so daytona the 24 at daytona let's break down let's do a little track walk it's been a while since we've done one of these hasn't it all right, so you're going to st- hey, first one of the year first one of the year. All right So you're going to start on the front stretch now remember that Daytona is a NASCAR oval no duh uh, So the front stretch is uh, has the tri-oval which is that you know third bend what's you know It's where the start finish line is you're going to start there. You're going to bomb on down. You're going to pass the first, the start finish line on the trioval. You're going to stomp on the brake as the track starts to flatten out after that trioval turn, and uh, you're going to watch out for the pit lane on the inside of turn one. Now, turn one is a double apex turn as you turn on into the road course. That first apex is more of like a, a flick or a, sh- or a, a kink, I would say, in the uh, in the first part of that turn. You're going to you're going to uh, decelerate through that turn because it's the second part, the second apex of turn one that is really where the meat of that corner is. You have to decelerate. You're coming out of turn one now, and this is kind of a, a hidden little tricky tricky wicket section here because if you think about it, you're going to have 38 cars coming into turn one, right? And as you exit turn one, you naturally want to go wide, but you can't because there's this little turn two. Turn two comes in, it's more like a, it's it's kind of a right-left uh, flick. But the key is, is that the track comes in on your right side, so you can't get this outside exit that you want, which always makes things pretty interesting when you have, you know, three different classes of cars going through at the same time, 38, 40, 45 cars coming through at the same time the fact that the track limits you right there can be very tricky, especially as you get through turn two, you're going to have the pit exit on your left-hand side. Now let's talk about the pit for a second. The pits are half the NASCAR pits and then, but they enter after turn two, they enter the, the rejoin the track on the infield. They enter the pits. uh, The entrance to the pits is where the NASCAR pit entrance is. So it's kind of a, a road course style exit to the pits and an oval style entrance to the pits, where you just come bombing in. It's kind of an interesting pit setup. Anyway, after you get through the turn two uh, chicane kink flick, I want to call it a flick. It's just kind of a jog in the road. I like.
1: I like the flick. It's yeah, it's a, it's a drug. It's, it's a portion of the track where it's impossible to get, to get settled. Uh Um, There'll be a lot of cars jockeying for position at all hours of the race.
0: For F1 fans, the equivalent here is after the, uh, after the hairpin in Canada, when the track comes in on you and then it flicks back out. So you can't really take a wide exit to Canada, to the hairpin in Canada. That's the equivalent of this in turn, in turn two in Daytona. Uh, so anyway, you're going to come through turn two. There's going to be a little short straight, little short straight, just a little bit to step on. Then you're going to come on, slow on down for the parabolic like International Horseshoe. Uh, International Horseshoe, you can always tell what it is. It has a bunch of flags of different countries. Uh, it is a flat, 180-degree, pretty standard horseshoe, but it is just wide enough, just flat enough, just fast enough that you will see— uh, Enough cars try and make some overtaking happen at this track, at this point in the track. In fact, I will say that this track is mostly all overtaking friendly. There is the way that the classes are set up, the way that this track is set up, there's quite a few places that are happy to assist you in overtaking. Yes. So as you exit the International Horseshoe, you're going to hop yourself onto another straightaway this straightaway on the infield looks short if you look at the track map, but it's long. It, it is actually not that short of a straightaway. Uh it, it takes a while to get through, shall we say, right? Um obviously yep. it's overshadowed by, you know, the back stretch, the front stretch here at Daytona. But this is a this is by no means a short stretch. So you're going to go into this little straightaway, and then you're going to have a kink in turn four. That turn four is a left-hand kink, kind of. Takes you from one horseshoe to the next horseshoe. That turn four kink, depending on if you if you're in a prototype or if in your in a you know GT Daytona or what you're driving, can be anything from a lift to a light brake. Um
1: You see that a lot with the hybrid cars too. You won't see their brake lights go off, but they will uh, let off the accelerator and let kind of let the battery charge a little bit.
0: Yeah, and it's not uh, it's not a particularly challenging uh, corner, but it is just enough to keep you on your toes because you're going to accelerate out of that, and then you have another very slight straight before you break. Now, the braking zone for this, and as well as the International Horseshoe, I should say by the way, are uh, they have alternate routes that are where the motorcycles and like MotoGP would run, uh, or you know super bikes would run that breaking point that will be your breaking point for turn five is another it's a right-handed horseshoe uh it's actually right by the campground so i'll talk about that in a second but your breaking point should be right where that alternate route is on the inside it's where the motorcycles take they'll have that coned off but that's kind of a good point to base all right i want to do that before or maybe if i'm in a prototype i want to do it you know before or after depending on how much speed i think i can carry and how efficient my brakes are so turn five is an interesting one. Turn five is where all the campgrounds are, and if you talk to drivers, like we will next week, we'll have uh, Mike Johnson, a local racer who's involved in the twenty four, has won the twenty four, and is uh, currently calls uh, he's the race operations manager for Park Place Motorsports. Um, if you ask racers, they can, they'll tell you they can smell the campfires over in turn five. Uh, there's a bunch of campfires. There's a all the uh, all the uh, all fans are right there. It's a really fun place to watch the race. There's a, just pull up, you know, an RV and you can watch these guys decelerate into this horseshoe. It's it's a really great time. But uh, turn five is, is it's much like the international horseshoe. It's a 180 degree, perfectly flat, and you will exit as you approach turn six. Uh, turn six is really, you slow down for turn six, but it's kind of a complex with six and seven. It's where you rejoin the track back onto the oval and if you haven't been there uh it is i mean it's well known it is almost exactly where you left the track you rejoin the track right where you left the track in fact the only thing separating the runoff from turns one where you come in and turn six where you come out of the infield is the exact same tire barrier so uh turn six you slow down for turn six it's a left-hander turn seven is a continuation of that left-hander and it really gets you properly up onto the banking but after you go through 6, because of the banking, because uh, turn 7 is not as sharp, because the track widens up a lot, because you're getting into the oval, um, that's a flat-out turn. It's not it, You treat that like a straightaway. And in fact, you're going to treat everything down to turn 10 like a straightaway. You hop onto oval turns 1 and 2, which is what they'll call it. They'll call it oval turns 1 and 2 instead of turn 8 and 9. But oval turns one and two are basically a straightaway. These are not NASCARs, and even for NASCAR uh, NASCAR drivers and NASCAR events, you don't lift at all on these banked turns. You just keep pushing it forward. It is a straightaway. Eight and nine are really fun, or oval one and two. Again, same corners. They are uh, They're really interesting to watch because this is where a lot of the DPI cars that catch up with, you know, the the GT Lamas or the LMP1s or the L, or the LMP2s, excuse me, uh, when they catch up with those slower cars, a lot of times you'll see in turn six and coming out of turn five, they won't just gun it past those cars. They'll wait until eight and nine. Eight and nine, uh, those two first corners on the oval are really where you'll see a lot of the DPI's just whizzing past these cars because it's it's wide open it's flat out and it's where you can apply that engine advantage so it's always a it's always a fun place to watch if you want to watch you know a a beast of a car overtake you know a puny little Lamborghini but uh <laughs> a,
1: a, a puny Lamborghini this is one of the only sporting events on any calendar where you can say a puny Lamborghini
0: it it, it really is but they're down running in you know the GT Daytona class so I mean, the, these prototypes. It has to be said, these prototypes are beasts, and they're tiny. They are small little cars, and they are they are mighty. But uh, are. so turns eight and nine, those are your oval turns. Those are flat out. They're pretty much straightaways. If you're a DPI, you want the lower line. If you are a GT Daytona, usually you're going to take the upper line because that uh, allows the Dat- the DPIs, the prototypes, the f- highest powered class to come in and uh, zip by you on the lower line so there's kind of a right-of-way system there after you exit the oval turn one and two you hit the back stretch everything sort of worked its way out and you approach turn 10 or more commonly known as the bus stop chicane this is one of the real signature corners of this track a lot of action there it's always fun to watch the cars go through it's a it's a true bus stop chicane right like Forget you, Spa. That's not a bus stop chicane anymore. The bus stop chicane is a left-right and then a right-left flick, and you want to you wanna flatten it out as much as possible. It's a ton of fun, Tim.
1: It It is a ton of fun, and I love that it's right in the middle so that it's, it's the equalizer for um, a whole bunch of different classes, and you'll see overtaking uh, across all classes going into this bus stop chicane. Um, I think it's a really, really cool test of um, you know, the, the,
0: uh, adaptability of your car, right? It's a low speed. It's a low speed left, right, but you want to straighten it out and you want to get it, you know, as, as flat and as straight as possible. But the beauty of Daytona is you can't just set up for all high power because the infield can be a little technical. The bus stop is, is a slower bit. So you'll have drivers just kind of rely on the fact that, they might get us in the street a little bit, but we'll get them in the bus stop. No problem. Uh, the bus stop is a ton of fun, too. Our, I shouldn't say fun, because under this circumstance, I'm going to spell out it's not fun. But it is also the lowest point of the track. Now, there's not a ton of elevation change. But the way that the land around the bus stop chicane uh, on the back stretch there sits when, not if, rain happens at Daytona. Rain always happens at Daytona. It's just a given. It's Florida in, in January and as, as I learned last year when you go to Daytona uh, it's going to be about 50 and rainy the whole time don't expect you know tropical palm trees waving about but uh, when rain accumulates it tends to accumulate heavily at the bus stop chicane so that's kind of what they'll be using to measure whether or not they can continue racing
1: and it's interesting because I did pull up uh, the weather report, um, for this weekend and it says, uh, nothing but sunshine and 60 degrees.
0: Screw you, Daytona. What'd you give me last year? I tell you what. Okay. Pause. It
1: is. Hey, it is Florida. So it changing its mind is kind of, it's prerogative. It's kind of just what it does. So, you know, it could be, you know, completely different by the time we get to race weekend, you could get some scattered showers here and there. Cause you know, Florida, but, um, it's, yeah, looks like, uh, we are, uh 60s 60s and then
0: 70s oh my gosh all right look here's the thing is last year at home all right we had a polar vortex and okay in st louis it doesn't usually get too cold during the winter i love cold weather i wish it got colder i wish it got snowier but it doesn't all right like we don't really see below 30 degrees all that much it was negative two when i left for florida okay and i thought i don't care what it is It's going to be great. I would have rather stayed outside in the negative 2 degrees than what I got last year at Daytona, which was approximately 12 hours of just pure rain and also 40 degrees. I swear to God, I was colder at Daytona than I was at freaking – at home outside. It was was miserable.
1: And I was nice, warm, and happy with a cup of coffee watching the misery back here.
0: Tim, you can – Oh my God! You can shut. I know. Them. I know. I just had
1: to do it. Oh, I had to.
0: Oh my God. Anyway, but uh, so after you exit the uh, after you exit the bus stop, uh, like I said, that'll be interesting to watch because if it does rain, uh, which it often does, even if it doesn't say so, uh, the bus stop becomes a little more treacherous. Last time, you know, you're looking at maybe an inch di- inch of water on the bus stop when you're not looking at anything but a moist track elsewhere, right? Uh, yep. So after you exit the bus stop chicane you're going to do ovals turns oval turn three and four uh technically turns 12 and 13 but everybody calls them oval three and four right uh it's another straight you just take that you're flat out until the front stretch and you're flat out until you slow down again for turn one this track is the infield road sections work very well as a road course work very well as to giving you that feeling of you know you're driving an actual road course the oval sections emphasize power, 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 power. The bus stop is about two-thirds of the way down the back stretch so that uh, it, it makes that overtaking opportunity well. This is really just uh, one of my favorite race courses in the world. I absolutely love the Daytona road course.
1: I just I love how well done it is. I love how challenging it is, and I think uh, there's also a lot of beauty in the simplicity of it. So... um yeah, I can't wait.
0: That's the thing; is it's so simple. Like if you showed people an outline of this track, it would they'd be like, "That's it." And you're like, "But it it works so effectively, right? It doesn't need to have a million and a half corners like you know a Le Mans. Not that a Le Mans isn't you know very very perfect in its own right. It doesn't need to have you know these beautiful graceful corners like Spa. It's just like, nope, we got this very basic looking layout. And uh, it's going to work for us, and it really does. So let's kick it over to the teams to watch for the Rolex 24 at Daytona. All right, let's start with uh, the DPI category, shall we? Uh, there's been a lot of upheaval over at the top of the DPI category. If you're not familiar with this race, the Cadillacs tend to dominate here. And, uh yeah. Yeah, the, the Cadillacs are nigh unbeatable, but I'm going to say that the Cadillacs—not that they don't win—I think they've they have a challenge for the first time in a few years, and I'll tell you why. Uh, let's start with the uh, number five Mustang Sampling Racing Cadillac DPI. Uh, Sebastian Bourdais is driving uh, this Cadillac DPI, and uh, is if is his first full time in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship uh, after he was ousted from Dale Coyne Racing with Vassar Sullivan. Last year, uh, this is Bourdais' first time in, first time with a full-time ride in the sports car championship, and I think he ha- he'll have something to prove. Uh, you're in a Cadillac that immediately puts you in for a good, ch- a good chance at a victory. So I think Bourdais with a uh, with a Caddy is not a bad choice for, you know, a pretty good finish in the DPI category.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's a it's it's an impossibly strong car, and he's a very capable driver. So, um, you know, obviously with an axe to grind. So, I mean, you can't count that combo out.
0: Absolutely. Um. So let's let's pause it here because we're gonna move on to Acuras uh, in a second. But uh, Cadillacs are just they're so good. They've won what like the last five or six. <laughs> like,
1: it's it's a Mercedes like trot they're on.
0: Yeah, they're just they're they're very good, and. Cadillacs, they always the Cadillac teams um always have very strong driver lineups, which is interesting when we move. We're gonna move a little bit down here to the Wayne Taylor racing Cadillac program. Wayne Taylor dominates this race. that that team has is pretty strong at this race, almost always. So it's interesting to see them have a strong Cadillac car. They won last year with uh, who was it? Alonzo and Jordan Taylor. It's uh, Alonzo Jordan-Taylor and uh, Ringer Van Der Zande. Van Der Zande. Zand, I can't say his last name. Anyway, they won with those three guys, and they just kind of said, That's ah, screw it, we're going to blow the driver light up. up."
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I. What was the reasoning behind that?
0: I think – so I th- I'm i pretty sure Alonzo wasn't going to come back, and I'm not yeah. sure what the reasoning behind – uh removing jordan taylor is jordan taylor is this the the team owner's son so you think if anybody's safe it would be wayne taylor himself's son his actual quote was and i will say he said this you know with a with a laugh we got rid of our weak link with jordan it's probably as good or better with the driver lineup ouch oh, jesus <laughs> say that about your that own son hurts. ow that's your kid man yeah
1: um but I, I I will say this that I, I think it was two years ago, uh, that Lando and Nando were on the same team. That was kind of cool.
0: <laughs> Lando Nando, I, yep. yep. That's oh, what they called themselves. Yeah. Lando
1: Norris and Fernando Alonso. Yep. Lando, Lando
0: Nando. Uh, do you remember when? Do you remember when Felipe Massa and F- what is it? Uh, Who's it? Felipe Nasser Nasser? Yeah. Felipe Nasser were on the were in Formula One at the same time with their British accents. It's like Massa pass Nasser <laughs>
1: Oh, those poor British
0: folk. I, hey Brits. Hi, how nice, you, to, nice to talk to you
1: guys. How you doing? Thanks for,
0: listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We're gonna we're gonna mock your accent a little bit, but I'm sure we sound like cowboys to you. But uh anyway, Main Taylor upheaved, just kinda upheaved their driver lineup. But dare I say this year is uh just as strong, maybe stronger than last year.
1: It it does seem extremely strong. And you know, all these guys have strong pedigree. I mean, and Scott Dixon's the luckiest man on the planet. Scott Dixon so, is... Yeah. I, yeah. No, I think uh, this is going to be... It's. It's. Yeah, I think it's a... Str- I do think it's a stronger lineup. Um, I, I,
0: don't, I don't know if we said it, but it's Ryan Briscoe, Ringer Von Der Zand, and, uh and Scott Dixon and Kamui Kobayashi. Um, and Kobe,
1: Scott Dixon and Kobayashi, right there. Yeah. Those are two... Uh, Otherworldly drivers. So
0: and Ryan Briscoe is a very very um, established NASCAR driver too. So like if you're good enough to drive, it, Ringer von der Zand is the least fam- famous driver there, and he won the event last year. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Wayne Taylor, I think I'm gonna put. If I had to put money down, all right. Well, we'll we'll do we'll do this a little bit later. But if I had to put money down, I think it's uh, Wayne Taylor is, is going to take it again this year in the caddies but uh i, I uh, agree yeah I, I would say that this driver lineup is good wayne taylor always has a great uh a great established uh way of doing things let's talk about a team that had a little bit of challenge last year but has an amazing driver lineup let's talk about the Pinskys, baby Oh the
1: Penske's. Oh, the... I uh, I actually I'm expecting big things from the Penske's this year. I think they're going to put it together.
0: I think I think they are too. Last year Penske, the, the they're driving an Acura rx 5 uh DPI. So it's a it's a it's a prototype but just with an Acura thing slapped on it, right? Um they weren't as fast. The Acura's just weren't as fast straight up, right? And they also had some some technical troubles. But they have a very very good lineup in that number 6 Acura Team Pinsky Acura ARX05 my god don't you love racing names he's driving that number 5 that number 6 Acura Team pinsky Acura ARX05 DPI
1: just just say the number 5 Acura
0: yeah thank yeah, you right yeah, yeah. but uh they That's have cool. a they have a great lineup in Juan Pablo Montoya, Dane Cameron and Simon Pagino piloting uh For the-
1: Six car, and then, yeah, you have, and then the number seven car, uh, you have Castro Neves, Taylor, and Rossi. So, th- those are some pretty incredible names, Luke.
0: Those are, those are very strong names. And, uh, like I said, last year, Acker was slower, but uh, Pinsky, they returned all six drivers. Those are very strong lineups. And they've said that they're really, really, really focusing on that, um, on their reliability this year. And they think they've found quite a bit of pace as well. Either way, I mean, even getting around it, even getting around those those two teams, right? Montoya, Cameron, Pagano, and Castroneves, Taylor Rossi. Even trying to move them out of a second place or something is going to be challenging because all those drivers know how good they are. They're very strong. They're very hard to get around, and uh, I, also it should be said too that uh, yeah, so. Juan Pablo Montoya and Dane Cameron finished sixth last year at the 24, right? We mentioned that Penske had some problems, but uh, they were first overall in the endurance championship. So this, if you don't know, this kicks off the WeatherTech uh, sports car championship. And there's a, it's also part of the endurance championship. That's six races. And uh, this is the first event. They won that championship last year, the overall championship, despite finishing sixth in this race. Um, Montoya and Cameron are very, very, very strong when it comes to this specific discipline and racing and IMSA. So do not overlook the Acuras.
1: And, you know, we talked about, you know, you you mentioned uh, that they were having issues and there, there was a power gap where, you know, Acura is Honda. So Honda, across the boards in every motorsport discipline, is making hilarious gains in power and their understanding of hybrid tech and uh, how it impacts the rest of their uh, combustion engines, and they are just... Uh, making leaps and bounds in ga- in uh, bridging the gap. I mean, in Formula One, we watched uh, a backmarker Honda team outleg the the top end uh, Mercedes piloted by the six-time world champion Lewis Hamilton. So you're going to see that trickle down into their other teams like Acura. Um, so Acura, I think you're going to see them that gap between them and Cadillac uh, close up a lot. Um, and then you have the, uh, six returning drivers who, uh, you put their name on the marquee on their own anywhere. And that's uh, the strongest driver, one of the strongest driver lineups on, on that grid. And I don't care what motorsport discipline it is. Um, so they, they've got some really, they've got a really great roster with really great pedigree. Um, and I'm really excited to see how this goes.
0: So back to the caddies, um, the number one, the next one I have to look, uh, I have, as a team to look at, is number 31, Whelan Engineering Racing Cadillac DPI. Ah, racing names. Uh, uh, Pipo Durani Felipe Nasser, Felipe Albuquerque, and uh, Mike Conway. That's a strong team. They're always a strong team. They finished second in the points last season. And it should be said that all these guys, you know, you see a lot of stars um, in the Simon Pagino and the Alexander Rossi in, you know, the Sebastian Bourdais, right? These guys are all GT car stars. They they race these um, GT cars. They race you know prototypes. They're used to this discipline. And as good as Rossi is, there is still a little bit of oh I'm not racing an Indy car right now. Right now that usually gets sussed out at the Roar at the Roar before the twenty four, which happened a couple weeks ago. But those guys are all a pretty strong team. And again, last season they finished second. By just five points. That's a very, very tiny gap. It was two they scored two ninety seven and the winners uh were three oh two. So I think that's a strong team. Those are very seasoned veterans, they all know what they're doing, and anytime uh you see that Durrani Nasser, Albuquerque, Conway on on there, I always take a mental note of how seasoned and skilled these drivers are.
1: Extremely. And you know, again, you put their names up anywhere. Um, they're going to be amazing. Uh, so another team with some with a very stacked lineup.
0: and finally, I want to talk about the other manufacturer in the in the Dpi Daytona Prototype International class is uh, the other manufacturer is Mazda, and that number fifty five Mazda team jost added Ryan Hunter, Ray, and they posted the fastest times. In the roar before the 24 last year, but they obviously had some mechanical issues last year. They said their reliability is up, um, and if they're posting good times in the roar, can Mazda be in the mix? I don't know. I, I, I we're both I grimacing. So. I, we're both I, grimacing. I
1: don't. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm, I'm grimacing and I'm thinking no, no, they can't. Um, but at least they're in the mix.
0: At least they're in the mix. And I think, too, that it would be one thing to overtake an Acura that has a weakness, right? But Cadillacs have been—the Cadillac teams have been so good. They've been so strong. Um, The Acura is trying to catch up to them. The Cadillacs don't really have a weakness right now. Acuras are trying to catch up to them. And you're still trying to catch up to the Acuras and Team Penske? You're you're not leapfrogging one guy that's ahead of you. You're trying to leapfrog the guy that's ahead of you who's also trying to leapfrog, you know, a freaking— six foot, you know, eight inch, two hundred and fifty pound linebacker, right? Like it, it's it's quite a bit ask, big ask to not just leapfrog somebody, but to leapfrog those two programs. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see if they can close the gap, but I'm not getting my hopes up for Team Mazda. But if they can improve, that's always a good sign for next year and for the Weather Tech Sports Card Championship as it advances.
1: I agree, but Luke Next up, you have what I'm most excited
0: to watch. Okay, let's preface this by saying that the real fun always happens in the GT Le Mans and the GT Daytona classes. That's just how it is. It, it always is. Fact of life. It, It's 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 a fact of life. What are you excited about the GT Le Mans class? Go ahead.
1: I'm excited to see the brand new mid-engine Corvette. Uh, t- been taken through its paces uh, this year at Daytona, and to see if it lives up to the entirety of what the front-engine Corvette used to be. The front-engine Corvette was it a- was the perfect mixture of raw speed and pace, uh, and this howling V8. Um, that anybody that wondered, you know, why I I'm into the sound, I would just play them a, a clip off YouTube. I played it on this show. Hold on, let's uh, let's,
0: let's pause real quick. All right, let's give them about five seconds of silence so that we can play that that noise right here
1: God it's so good It's just a raw guttural sound that hits uh, petrol heads and motorsport fans, or just human beings in general, uh, in the cockles of your heart. It really, really hits home. It's a beautifully made uh, piece of American engineering. I'm really excited to see if they preserve that sound um, in the mid-engine car. Um, I really hope they did. Uh, somehow Chevy uh, was able to uh, make a car that uh, performs as well as a Ferrari, has an incredible uh, you know, tip to stern uh, look, uh, feel, drive, Uh, you know, Power, uh, the Mazda Ferrari, all for 50 grand. Um, Don't know how they did that, but, you know, hats off to GM. Uh, But they will be racing uh, last year, the swan song for the front engine Corvette, the one that we have had um, since the days when, like I said, I think last week when we were talking about the acid dip cars that um, the astronauts used to drive to uh, the launch pad to go up to the moon in the 60s. We've had this car forever. So last year, it's swan song. It's very last race. It ended poorly. It did not go um, great. I, go well.
0: I have a personal story about this because I was at last year's and I will be at next year's. I'm just not at this year's. Um, I We woke up at about 4 a.m. because we knew the rain was going to come and we just wanted to pack our tent, right? And I woke up and we packed our tent and we got poured on as soon as we got to the actual grandstands. So we were staying on the outside of turns one and two uh, was where our tent was. And we got poured on as we hit the grandstands. But I remember going up there, it was roughly 5 a.m. I don't know the exact time because I'm not, you know, that freakish with knowledge. But um, I remember just getting to the grandstand, right, just like about to, you know, go get some caffeine, some morning breakfast, looking, it's pouring, and you see – those poor Corvettes just go one, like an ice skating rink, straight into the the wall. And you knew that was it. That was about where, that was it. That was it for the Corvette program, is it went out with kind of a whimper at 5 a.m. in the morning. And I remember being like, I'm glad I got to see that. Um, Just from like a historical perspective, but... Knowing that there's going to be a yellow flag and that, you know, the rain is now this bad. Can I go back to bed? But we just packed the tent. But
1: <laughs> you're like, oh, oh. It, it breaks your heart. Um, you know, it, to see a car that is so iconic, um, not only for uh, the automobile world in general, but uh, for specifically American uh, motorsport fans. Um, I know that they've kind of run away with IMSA. I know Todd kind of has an axe to grind against them for that, but I love them. I love the sound. I love the look. Um, And this year it looks different. It
0: it should be said. But I'm
1: always excited for new chapters. Right. Um, So I'm excited to see if this mid-engined car is going to be the behemoth that that its predecessor was.
0: So it should be said, too, that um, that front-engine Corvette is, I mean, we talked about, you know, it was like that since the astronauts, but that— front engine is kind of to me what defines a muscle car if it's a mid engine it's no longer a muscle car right and the corvette has found its identity historically as it's a muscle car right it's a you you kind of lose that it's kind of muscle it pleases the muscle in sport crowds shall we say right and it, if you and if you lose the front engine you lose that kind of something american something like something about it right if you put it in the middle there's it, it's a little more um balanced instead of raw, shall we say? It doesn't feel as raw. Um so I think that they're going to have they have people who are like, this is sad that you know, you're moving that that front engine to the uh, to the mid. I think it'll be interesting because I think they have something to prove now. Does that make if that makes sense to you?
1: it 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 does. and and while I agree that it has been adopted by mostly the the muscle car uh fandom um i really think that the corvette was always something more Mm -hmm. the corvette Mm -hmm. to me um yes it was front engine yes it was you know big v8 yes it you know did drag races the corvette though was always a better, you know, track day type car which is one you could that someone who actually really enjoys driving can go and throw into some corners and do really really well. It was a lot more European than it ever had a right to be, mm. um, and mm. it did a lot of things better than European cars. And that's what I loved about it was that it took it, it took something that European cars claimed to have uh, the market cornered on and did it better. Um, so, and say- it has all along. It, it's um, and the I, same, think it, I was going to
0: say, it's the same reason that I love the, the, uh, Lotus Elise back when it came out was because yeah. you had, you had a car that could whip it around in corners, like with the big boys that was cheap. And it was an everyman supercar kind of deal. Right.
1: It's why the Mazda MX five does so well. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it, it was always something more. And I think with this mid engine iteration, you're going to see the Corvette take its rightful place. Um, in cars that should be respected, not just for their raw power, uh, but for their exquisite ability at doing everything. Mm. Um, it's going to be more of a grand touring type car. I think, uh, it always was, um, but it's going to be used a lot more on European soil and around the world and get the rightful appreciation it deserves. Um, I always, I think that, uh, the V eights in, uh, the Corvettes have always been, uh, some of the most exquisite engineering out there, um, For uh, in the motoring world. Um, so they're always exquisitely done. And I think that, um, I think that this is a natural evolution that comes, uh, <laughs> not too late, but it's been a long time coming. Good Lord. They've been talking about this, doing this since the early nineties, I think. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I, I think that this is a very exciting time. I know that it's kind of sad to see the old look go. Um, but honestly, I mean, I, I guess it's just me. It's also, like, it was time. It think, was time to close that chapter.
0: I think so, too, and, and interesting you mentioned it. It'll, it'll ascend, you know, it'll get its rightful place among the GT and European soils. It's going up against the BMWs. It's going up against the Porsche 911s in this GT Le Mans class. Um, it, if it mobs, I mean, it it's like, hey, look, we're like these guys. Not only are we like these guys, we're going to prove it to you right now over a whole bleeping day that we're better than you. So it'll be it'll be interesting because when you talk about those GT cars, those cars that get used on European soil, you know those touring cars, those are the cars you're talking about. So it's set up perfectly to go up against those exact cars it wants to overtake.
1: Um, I agree. And when you talked about how, as an American, you love seeing Haas F1, it kind of you know it kind of stirs your soul. Mm -hmm. Um, For me it's seeing the corvette every year go up against those cars yeah. that for me as uh, as a you know that that stirs the countrymen in me
0: the 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 good old red-blooded usa us of a and yeah you're like it
1: gives you a whole lot of hell yeah
0: shedding a single tear bald eagle over your head you're like proud to be an american while you're you know got a got a shotgun and a football in the other hand you know what i'm saying it's you're like mm, uh, see, god bless. i'm gonna go more
1: the uh i'm gonna go more the zach wild uh type american where i just you know start shredding the guitar as it goes by passing the bmw yeah. and the other cars
0: I'm like oh <laughs> uh, you're that, talking about uh nice mad max guy yeah the do for oh, yeah. the totally. do for um so one last note on the corvettes uh we've spent a lot of time talking about corvettes but this is one of the most intriguing <laughs> I'm intriguing excited. it's it's an intriguing story um they added jordan taylor to their driver lineup he again won the He's too
1: slow for his dad's team so
0: (laughs) he's too slow for the dpi's but again he's used to winning in dpi's and in prototypes um so it'll be interesting because he's obviously a very talented driver you don't win the 24 as part of a team if you're not a talented driver it'll be interesting to see him adjust to getting lapped rather than lapping if that makes sense, right? Because it's such a different race if you're in that lower class and you have the prototypes constantly whizzing by you as compared to if you're the prototypes and you just have the rolling chicanes of GT Daytona and GT Le Mans, you know? So it'll be interesting to watch him get that adjustment on. So let's move on to the the fun. I, I think this is consistently the most fun class. As much as we just talked about GT Le Mans, GT Daytona is so much fun. I love GT Daytona. 18 cars. Always a huge amount of cars in here. 18 cars. Let's start with the number 12 and number 14. Aim Vasser Sullivan, Alexis RC GT3. <clears throat> Townsend Bell will drive for the uh, number 12 team and will be broadcasting. Uh, so he's doing the double duty. He's gonna do uh, you know probably three hours of driver driving, three hours of broadcasting, and then three hours of sleeping, and uh, back and forth and back and forth as he as he pleases. Uh, Townsend Bell of course uh very very talented but i think the real key here is number 14 is the 14 a Vassar silverin lexus rc gt3 is uh jack hawksworth and kyle bush in the number 14 kyle bush joins the ranks and he he, abs- he you know his nascar resume speaks for itself and uh he undoubtedly wants that rolex 24 or on his resume so uh watch out for the lexuses
1: that's going to be interesting I'm really, really curious. I'm curious. I'm curious. This field is going to be nuts, Luke. It's going to be absolutely nuts, and I'm it, I'm going to spend the whole 24 hours just trying to keep up.
0: Uh, yeah, it, it's it's more of a freaking all star race than like the NASCAR all star races. Like, th- isn't that isn't that crazy? Like, it, it you have everybody from almost every discipline coming in here. Uh, s- next up on our list is uh, 20, the number 23, Heart of Racing Aston Martin Vantage GT3. Hey, that's uh our f- good friends at the Park for May, their very own Paul Charsley, is the sporting manager at Heart of Racing. It's their first full year. So uh good luck, Mr. International. Uh, bring home uh, bring home a class victory, why don't you? Uh, also if you don't follow the international on Twitter, he'll probably have some really sick tweets from like Pit Wall, like he's been having for a while. Uh, that'll be uh, those tweets are worth it, right? Like those are pretty cool tweets. Number 57, Heinricher Racing Acura NSX GT3 Evo. With AJ Allmendinger, uh, he will also uh, be pulling a double and broadcasting when he isn't driving. So, uh, two people in the GT Daytona category who are pulling the double and broadcasting and driving at the same time. And finally, (laughs) yeah. And finally, and this is an interesting story to me, the number 98, Aston Martin Racing Vantage GT3. The number 98, Aston Martin, is a late entry to the field. Andrew Watson, one of their drivers, didn't even know he was going to be racing until last Thursday. And they said it's just a current spec, Aston Martin. And they're just trying their, their darndest to get it up to the spec. Now, the idea here is that Watson and uh, another driver, they have two full-time drivers that they just want to log laps. They want to get as much laps for these guys as possible. Um, but they also, they have neither, one of them hasn't driven in the weather tech series and another of them hasn't didn't drive at Daytona before the roar before the 24 this year. So like these, this 98 Aston Martin team entered last second with two drivers who have never driven at the event before, Uh, with a,
1: with a off the floor Aston
0: off the current spec Aston that they're trying to get up to speed.
1: So, ladies and gentlemen, I don't, I don't know how much you know about high-end luxury cars, if you're all uh, as uh, uh, crazy for the Top Gear Grand Tour uh, guys as Luke and I are. Um, but something that should be noted is that Aston Martins, while they are exquisite to look at, mm-hmm. they are beautifully done uh, by hand on their interiors, um, they are as heavy as can be they are about as heavy as the planet earth itself so if you're going to strip down uh an aston that's quite a job uh you're actually going to have to call lockheed martin and dip
0: it in acid yeah probably i'll just say they're the they're the luxury car equivalent of the ups truck that drops off packages in front of your house like (laughs) they're
1: just heavy if it were weighed down with packages of lead
0: but not lead buckshot that you can then take out of your, you know, that you can then weigh down your extra fuel tank in because that actually makes you go faster. But, (laughs) but yeah, it'll be interesting to watch them do because it'll be interesting to watch them versus the heart of racing with the park with, uh, uh, Paul Charlesley. It'll be interesting to watch the direct comparison because you have heart of racing who is doing a full season this year. They've prepped this Aston Martin vantage GT three to the point where it's race ready. Right. obviously then you have a quote Exact
1: whole preparation thing
0: right and now you have a a last second entry aston martin so it'll be interesting to watch one not only them play catch up but two how much they even catch up like are we talking laps down what are we i mean you're going to be laps down that's the nature of this race but how many laps down
1: down. it's it's a matter of how many right i think you might get into triple digits
0: oh that would be brutal oh man
1: might get disqualified (laughs) before the end of the race being like you're dangerously slow yeah Um, get Mm -hmm. off Um, so yeah I don't know I do know that uh, you know I was looking over the roster list earlier too and uh, hometown uh, St. Louis folks uh, rejoice first form uh, from the Supplement Superstores guys are going back with a Porsche
0: yeah Um,
1: yeah buddy Um, And then uh, the other team that uh, Todd himself had mentioned uh, a week or two ago. Um, So we've got some pretty good local representation down in Daytona.
0: We do. We do. We have local – don't let it be said. I mean, I realize racing is suffering in a lot of places, right? We're realistic about that. But don't let it be said that St. Louis is not – is part of the problem. We have a very thriving racing scene, dare I say.
1: We do. Uh, You know, it's – uh i think the 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 event of todd's that you and i went to where a couple hundred people showed up for the f1 kickoff
0: right for an Uh, f1 kickoff the races hadn't even started it was just todd giving us a review of the off season and going i think it'll be interesting to watch these guys and these guys yeah that's all it was and yet a couple hundred people show up to a local car racing track
1: yeah and uh it you know it's i think uh, locally that St. Louis has a lot to offer. So if you ever want to come down and uh, throw it in a few laps, um, we'd uh, we'd always welcome you.
0: Oh, by the way, uh, we have a little bit of news on the uh, local racing front. Um, so Worldwide Technology Raceway, I don't know if I've told you this. I think I texted you a link into the group chat. But uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway in Madison, Illinois, uh, right across the – it's in Illinois, but it's literally across the river. You can see downtown. It's, it's basically St. Louis, right? Um They have a golf course north of it, and Worldwide Technology Raceway has purchased that golf course, and they said that they are continuing golf operations, but it's also been unofficially hinted at that it was part of the contract that they had to continue golf operations for a certain amount of time. So – do with that information what you will. I will also say that Tim, you know that they do sit on a buttload of grass parking land uh, directly to I believe that would be the west of the track uh, yep. right on the other side of the uh, of the drag strip um and they know that they can put butts in seats because again, you went to the Bomberito five hundred this year. uh you were, were really? you were at the tr- uh, were you at the truck race? I don't think you were no, I was not no. yeah. But uh, it's no secret that the truck race and the Bomberito 500 are very well attended. Uh, the NHRA uh, draws thirty thousand people. It's it's a very well attended race. They know they can put butts in seats, and they now sit on. The fact of the matter is, you have a race. You have a racetrack that's doing very well. That's been expanding for years, and they just bought a boatload of land. You do the math. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it won't take a whole lot of effort to. It's not a, it's not a, a big leap uh, in reasoning. It's a little hop, uh, a little, little jaunt. To not too to bad, do. but uh, but no, that is uh, absolutely outstanding, and I can't wait to see what they do with it. Uh, another piece of news, Luke, that broke today, mm-hmm. um, is mm-hmm. we have an official release date for drive to survive on Netflix. I
0: saw that See, while, I saw that while you were out walking our dog bet- walking your dog between the segments. That's right. Yeah. Yep, February 28th.
1: Hey folks, buckle up.
0: Oh, did you uh they actually put up a list of things that will be in confirmed to be in Drive to Survive. Let me let me pull this up. It is it's a fairly uh fairly interesting. Do, 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 do. Where is that? I just had it like two seconds ago. I'm. This is bad radio well, right you're here. you're looking
1: for it, I'm going to say it's things that I'm really excited to see are uh, what happens uh, in Germany to Mercedes and how much they tried to curtail just how, does that, with how disastrous that weekend was. I can't wait to see how curtailed everything was, and then uh, with Ferrari in Italy, how well that went. Yes. Uh, for Ferrari, that's going to be two. I'm. Yeah, you know, I'm going to guess that they're going to put those in the middle of the season. Um, they're going to spend probably an episode or two catching up with. Daniel in his new move to Renault and how badly that's gone. Probably one with Red Bull with how uh, Christian Horner has been, um, you know, with Max and then Alex and their turmoil there. Um, and then they will also probably spend at least an episode or two on McLaren.
0: Yes. So because- I ha- I do have the list. I do have the list. Signs P3 in Brazil will be shown. Um, all yes. teams uh, will be featured. Every single team is featured. Uh, uh, somebody, uh, quote, 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 each episode has some amazing and unexpected moments. Access will be better across the board. Uh, the access <laughs> will be better across the board is kind of interesting. Uh, we'll get, quote, real insight into Lewis, and it'll be interesting because, again, the only, the only time they could film, uh, the only time they were contracted to film was for that German GP. So you'll get insight into Lewis during the German GP, which it would, and what I think was one of the, maybe lower moments, lower points of Mercedes and his time. So it might be an interesting sight into what a non-winning Lewis looks like, if that makes sense, right? Uh, a Lewis
1: who gets, uh, gets, knocked gets down. his feathers drop a little bit.
0: Right. Uh, so a favorite moment of one of the directors, Gasly's P2 in Brazil. He said it himself. It's a true Hollywood story. Uh, we'll learn a bit about Sebastian Vettel's musical tastes. Uh, what happened in God. Belgium will be featured. That uh, clearly had an impact on everyone for the rest of the spe- season, and especially Pierre Gasly. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the the passing, uh, the tragic incident there. Uh, more Max Verstappen scenes. Uh, there will be ten episodes. Uh, there'll be some small tweaks in the format and style of filming. The rookies will be featured. Uh, a lot of Ricardo, but a, quote no nutsack song, and. Uh, <laughs> <a> lo-
1: <laughs> Is it ticklish?
0: I don't know. <laughs> we will never know because he can't say, he can't do the Nutsack song again. He's been censored. <laughs> and then speaking of censoring, a lot of Haas and Gunther Steiner. A lot. Quote. Thank you,
1: God. Oh, I can't wait. That is That was the uh, the last thing I was going to touch on was uh, I can't wait to see the rich energy fall out.
0: Right. If they're doing a it's lot of
1: Haas. F, 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 F. There are going to be so many Fs. It's going to be like, Gunter single-handedly dropping f bombs across Europe in World War II, just bum bum, bum 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 bum
0: bum 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 bum. It yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. Oh, and uh, one last bit of news while we're I mean we're just kind of, uh, right. We're uh, wrapping it up. Uh, I just saw this. The Miami Street Circuit has changed its proposed design because apparently Lynette Higginbottom, cursed be her name. Uh-huh. Uh, took the F1 took the track off of 119th Street. So if you're looking at the track, uh, if you remember the vague layout, that's the south like kind of straightaway uh, was 119th Street. So it's off of it, but it didn't really change it all that much. The the difference is is now sector one is a little more flowy. So I'm going to send you a picture of that real quick, Tim. We're doing really professional radio here, guys. I'm, let me let me tell Actually, you. Actually, I've seen it. You have. Oh, uh, do, yes. do you do you saw the changes? Do you like the proposed changes? I I actually don't mind them. I'm They're okay. a little more flowy. I that I don't mind. Yeah, no. I don't. And I, you know, what I don't um, see on here though.
1: Shut, Lynette bottom up. I'm all, I'm all for it. Yep. Good lord.
0: The the other one too is uh, they won't be racing during school hours. The practice session won't be until after three p.m., which is when the school gets out. Which oh my god! Can you imagine, just for a second, how cool it would be to be in high school or be in, like, middle school, and you look across the street, and you hear... Yes. Ah. Yeah. yeah, you can see him go by. Like, that... It You
1: know, that would be a teacher's dream. It would... to hear, to, for the kids to be looking out the window, hearing the howl, and say, you know, you can be involved in that someday if you pay attention, the... if you do the math homework correctly, if you do this physics homework correctly.
0: The physics I guy in this... me says this is a great teachable moment, right? You can, you can go... Fact- do you want to know how they can go that fast? And then, boom! There's your aerodynamics lessons. It's it's exactly.
1: the next year, right? And you know, but thanks, Lynette. You're uh, you're you're why we can't have nice things.
0: I will say I have reached out to that council uh, in Miami to talk to them about their proposed or about their what is it? Their ob- you didn't send them my
1: profanity uh, laced tirade against her no it was, it was a very
0: oh. is a very nice like hi. Hey, we just wanted to discuss some of the objections and we wanted to hear uh both sides of the story because we're motorsports guys and we wanted to hear your side and we just want to you know have a nice discussion about what it is and i'd never I heard you, no what monaco is right i wanted to, i wanted to hear back from and uh cursed him they did not they did not the city of miami dade County, or, no miami gardens did not respond to my emails so shame on them
1: well, you know what? It's on them. We tried, and now we can proceed, and we can say they failed to comment.
0: Yeah, they fa- they failed to comment. We got our first failed to comment on the podcast. Oh, that's a that's a could his- not be
1: reached for comment.
0: Yes, that's that is a historical moment. I think I'm gonna change it though. What's up? Could not be bothered for comment. Could not be bothered for comments. I like it. They don't care enough to comment. Exactly. Yeah. They don't care enough to defend their garbage positions. No. Nope. But I will defend my garbage position, Luke. This podcast is built on garbage positions. <laughs> uh, uh, I, think, I, I think. I think. You that's and key. I are
1: getting together Sunday to talk about the Daytona, aren't
0: we? Yes, we'll do, dates, we'll do Daytona on Sunday. And, uh, we will have an interview again with Mike Johnson, a local racer, local strategist extraordinaire coming up. And, uh, we will actually talk to him on Tuesday. So even though we're, we're recording on, on Sunday, that episode drops Tuesday night as usual. So, uh, that'll be a ton of fun and I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a great episode and, uh, we'll watch Daytona and we'll, uh. We, we need to organize shifts maybe so we don't miss anything. You get the 12 a.m. to like 5 a.m. shift, okay? Um, and then yeah, uh, nope. actually I'll take the 12 a.m. to 5 a.m. shift since you know full well I'm up at that time anyway. <laughs> but uh,
1: You send me uh, engine stats at that time of morning. I'm like, yeah. are you up and drinking? No, I've just found this group really cool. And I'm like, that is actually really cool. And I'm going to wake up and look this up because that actually is <laughs> awesome. So curse you for – enabling my nerdery
0: yes all right well uh we will have daytona next week we'll have mike johnson next week we might have some news on some exciting things that are happening behind the scenes uh next week next week's episode will be great we'll actually get to talk about race for the first time in 2020 and uh without that i don't think we have anything else to say i'm luke i'm tim see you guys next week